0: Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today, I'm happy to have Grant LeVock, who is an Australian UFO researcher who has been interested in UFOs since childhood. Additionally, he has an immense talent for promoting podcasts with deep fake videos. Grant has recently started a series of informative videos about UFOs with his YouTube show, The Unexplained Rundown. He is joining us in the dojo to educate us about Australian UFOs and his own perspective regarding the phenomenon. Additionally, we have a special co-host today, Benji, who is a UFO researcher and a UAP UAP disclosure advocate. We also have co-host DJ, who is the host of Calling All Beings, retired US Air Force, and a yoga instructor. Hello, everybody welcome to the dojo hello
1: hello <laughs> say something in australian grant g'day it's, uh, <laughs> it's great to be <laughs> it's, it's great to be with you guys i i am uh, dialing in from the future it's sunday morning here so uh the the, the world has not collapsed disclosure sadly hasn't happened yet but uh Hopefully, uh, by your morning tomorrow, you never know. But no, it's it's a thrill to be with you guys, and I uh, uh, I appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to have a chat with me.
2: Wait, so you've proven Michael Master's theory already because about the time travel that you have essentially traveled back in time to have this conversation.
1: Exactly right. Well, can't you see my forehead starting to protrude forward? I think evolution (laughs) is happening and uh my complexion with uh less vitamin d day to day is turning me into a a gray i think so
3: i was just glad to know there was no asteroids hit yet that was that was a pleasure to know about
1: exactly well the 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 day the day's not over so
0: (laughs) i will say in a cynical perspective we are kind of overdue you know you keep hearing about all these things that happen to civilizations because of asteroids in fact one of the things I learned about today while researching Australia was that one of the stories from the Aboriginal culture was a asteroids, an asteroid that hit, and of course they described it a different way, but they still had it in their stories.
1: Mm. So yeah, and it's funny um, in the some of the tweets you were just putting out before this um, show, Deb. Uh, you're absolutely right. The the I mean the Aboriginal culture, Indigenous Australians have been, uh, oh jeez, in this country for what forty thousand years. I mean a, a very very long time. So uh, you know now these days uh, a lot of organisations always acknowledge the traditional uh, custodians of the land. So I think there is uh, a growing recognition of uh, the Aboriginal people, the Indigenous people as the, the traditional custodians of of, uh, of of these lands in Australia. But one of the things that was um, was interesting is you came out, um, up in your reading prior to this discussion about the, um, the Rainbow Serpent, which is uh, very prominent in uh, a lot of Aboriginal dreamtime stories and folklore and legend. And there's actually, your viewers won't be able to see this, but one of my other fascinations outside of the UFO topic is that of... Um, the Yowie, which uh, on the book cover of this is artwork that's actually in The uh, the Rainbow Serpent. And, uh, you know, these uh, mythical creatures and cryptozoological creatures uh, are just rampant throughout the Aboriginal culture in these Dreamtime stories. So it's a, it's a fascinating culture, and I think there's so much to learn from it that, you know, we, we haven't even touched the surface on. And thankfully it's still, these have, kind of books so are still designed. available in... yeah. So, I mean, There's you so you've probably to, discovered much more yeah, than I actually have. I know, have so,
0: so much so. to say about that. But before we do, can you please explain to people what Dreamtime Stories means? Because I know now, but I didn't know yesterday. And I think other listeners may appreciate being told.
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, much like um, I imagine, uh, you know, early homo sapiens growing up and telling stories around the campfire, I think it was very much part of the the Aboriginal culture for there to be uh, um, uh, you know, uh, stories and um, their culture was handed down from generation to generation through a lot of these, uh, these stories that captured the spirit and the heart of the Aboriginal people. And I think um, you know, a, a lot of the, uh, I mean, for example, the, the Yowie is often, uh, the word Yowie, just to give you an idea of the, um, the, the meaning behind it. Uh, it actually means, uh, it, it is, the Yowie is a spirit that roams over the earth at night. So I think a lot of these mythical creatures that were, um, told in stories around campfires you know, thousands of years ago captured the, uh, the imagination, the heart and spirit of the Aboriginal people. So dream time is, is part of their, um, it, it's really indoctrinated in their culture and, and how they, um, you know just stories are told from generation down to generation i mean again you... I, I you probably know a lot more about dreamtime than i do because i haven't uh, i haven't read as as much as maybe i should on the topic but it's certainly a fascinating culture in itself the uh, the aboriginal people and their their dreamtime stories
2: hey grant this is interesting because we have this word in america too Yowie, and it's usually when you you burn your hand on the clothing iron uh, is what you would <laughs> You would yell that out. So <laughs> we do use that word just for, you know, general purpose. More of an
3: explanatory.
1: Well, yeah. uh, and and to kind of correct the record, so I believe Yowie is actually um, when the the colonists, uh, the, the the settlers, you know, from um, uh, from England came to Australia as part of their uh, colonization efforts, and they sent a lot of their their convicts over here to kind of settle. <laughs> um, the, the, the Aboriginal people actually referred to the Yowie as the Yahoo and I think it became uh, just slang over time for... Colonists and settlers and convicts to refer to it as uh, as the Yowie, so it's a it's kind of like an, an iteration of the word Yowie, but it's the same um, you know mythological creature that is known by many different names across the world. Obviously, Sasquatch and Bigfoot in North America,
0: Yeti. you've got
1: um, the Yeti in Asia, you've got <laughs> Almas and Yeren abdominal <laughs> snowman, you've got Skunk ape down your neck of the woods, uh, DJ. Uh, so the the
2: local hunter was out hunting for him like last night he posted a video i got to get a hold of the guy he's like going out (laughs) camping in the woods looking for skunk apes and bigfoot and let me tell you you get you've been out back you get eaten alive here by insects i don't know how the hell this guy does it i'm hopefully going to meet him soon i hope
0: okay Uh, so i'm very excited about talking about these um stories, which I guess you could say they're oral traditions that were passed down with singing and um, stories and dancing, um, because I did, you know, of course I did research. I do that every time I talk to people, I go back and I do a whole bunch of research. And um, there was a person on TED Talks who spoke about how there were actual real parallels to their stories. And that you should really take these stories a little bit more seriously. So if they're saying that there was a creature running around that looked like, you know, Sasquatch, it probably was, is what they were like, kind of implying. Because they were able to show at least one example of a creature that would have been running around with them. And furthermore, they've also found evidence that there's a possibility that they were there much longer than 40,000 years. And some people are even hypothesizing that they were the first civilization and they Mm -hmm. migrated to Africa. So there's a whole lot of different things going on with their culture. Um, As it stands, they're considered the oldest culture, the oldest living current culture, the oldest civilization to, to prevail. It's very sad that the many languages are kind of dissipating, but... Yep. Yeah, so there's a lot for us to ponder with that. And we'll get into that a little more. But I wanted to give anyone else a chance to chime in first.
3: I just want to really know Grant's take, Bigfoot's wormholes. Are they using them? Or are they not? What's your take, man?
1: Yeah, that's a tough one. I haven't um I I I haven't dived deep enough into that subject, but I, I with with all of the occurrences of of high, high strangeness that are happening at Skinwalker Ranch, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, and the the stories that you've heard from the Nids days of these kind of uh, bipedal hominid or Bigfoot type creatures coming out of wormholes, it, it certainly uh, it 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 just you know piques the curiosity. And and I've always kind of separated the the Bigfoot topic and the uh, and the UFO topic, but I, I'd be so intrigued to to learn more and i'm just kind of crossing my fingers that maybe they capture something on these webcams that they've got live at skinwalker ranch now
2: let me throw something in there about this because we're having micah hanks on by the way uh i'm not going to put that out on twitter or anything because i I told these guys bad things happen when you when you start saying guests that you have coming up but um but we have booked him and he's really into Bigfoot. As you know, he has a whole podcast about it, right? It, that's right, tracks, yeah. Right? Yep. He does not believe that he's a interdimensional figure. I don't know what Deb's take is on this. I don't even know what Benji's take is on this. And, and hopefully, we'll, or I think we've just heard yours. But, okay, the Navajo Ranger, Jonathan Dover, who's been on a couple of different shows, says, I believe it is interdimensional. Uh, Navajo Ranger, I mean, he's an expert at tracking. And so say to the guy, why do you think that? And he says, well, because I have tracked Bigfoot out into the middle of an open field, and the tracks disappear. So unless a fucking Bell Jet Ranger (laughs) came and picked up Bigfoot in the middle of the field and like hauled him off to the next movie set uh, that that Grant was filming at, then (laughs) I assume that someone else picked him up.
1: Well, I would just say, um, to to answer your question, Benji, based on the available data that um, I've certainly uh, I'm aware of that's out in the public domain. So uh, Professor uh, Jeffrey Meldrum has done some wonderful work um, on examining casts, you know, footprints Mm -hmm. of these reported, uh, you know, bipedal hominids over over the years. And and he's of the um, he is of the uh, notion that, and I subscribe to a lot of the things that he talks about, that there is a possibility that there was uh, uh, a break in the uh, the evolutionary chain at some point, uh, that Bigfoot could actually be a, a, a missing link, or it could be a remnant or a descendant of uh, Gigantopithecus, which there are you know, remains of fossil remains of, which was up to 10, 12 feet in height. So uh, but again, I'm certainly one of the things that um, I always position myself as just an ordinary guy who believes in extraordinary things with a healthy degree of skepticism, but also an open mind thrown in there to good, to, for good measure. So I'm very much open to the possibility that there could be a connection between, uh, you know, the, 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 the UFO topic, wormholes, inter- interdimensional uh, aspects and, and the whole Bigfoot topic. So it's, it's, it's certainly an, an interesting one.
2: And Grant, I just want to throw in there that Mike, when you have Micah Hanks on one side that studied this extensively and Jonathan Dover on the other side, I don't know if I could – I can't go either way, right? Like me personally, not that my opinion counts. Like I'm not an expert in this topic. But I, I have two people with totally – with different opinions on it. So that makes right. it even more interesting.
0: Mm. I'm really intrigued by the missing link idea because we keep finding more evidence mm-hmm. that there's – pieces we don't know there are some people um and actually that was part of the research i did today about australia um there's some people that have like they think it's a four percent of the dna that they cannot figure out where they what it came from okay so yeah so there and then of course people you know we get a little egotistical about ourselves you know it's a little sad we really think this is it we're the best there can't be anybody else Mm. But there were just a ton of different hominids, and at least three were living together at the same time. It is well known that Neanderthals, for instance, started breeding with some of us, right? So I have a lot of Neanderthal in me, apparently. I I did a DNA test. I don't know what that means, but yeah. I do yeah.
1: too. Yeah. You do too. I'm only five, just shy of 5'10", so I think there's probably some hobbit in me that were discovered in uh, Papua New Guinea in, oh, a number of years ago. Homo florensis, I believe, is the is the <laughs> name. So, uh, yeah, only very, very small, um, you know, hominid, uh, bipedal hominid. So, um, right. you know, they're, they're making discoveries all the time on, uh, on our past.
0: Right. I, you know, it's just our ego is, is the bane of my existence sometimes. There's still people who are absolutely convinced this planet is it because a Bible told them so. Like, they're that we're at the top of it and because the Bible said it. And I'm like, what? No, See, like, they're. I've-
3: I've said this before, and I I, I read somewhere recently that uh, if we were to sum up like the known recorded human history into a forty-year t- window, basically that we have only discovered about five minutes of it. I mean, I can just you can I guess you can use uh, the new Egyptian discoveries as an example. They just pulled what like two hundred some sarcophagi out of a tomb in Sekora or something like that.
2: Oh, the Sekora so- tomb. Yeah, oh, my God. You know, if anyone is not seen them so Netflix, get on, on
1: it. it. It's awesome. Uh, my bucket list to get to Egypt one day. I, I studied ancient history in high school, and, man, I, I would just love to get there and see it in person. It would be, it would be fascinating. Okay. Do you yeah. some Jimmy death Church, denial Hanger. kind of stuff. hang out with Jimmy Church.
0: <laughs> this leads me to one of my questions for you, Grant. There are hieroglyphs. <laughs> the hieroglyphs. I need to know. What do you think? Some special uh, specialists think there are legitimate hieroglyphs from Egypt in Australia they're called the Gosford glyphs do you think they're real or do you think they're fake
1: you know what i i wow i don't even know about that so you'll have to enlighten me um and and fill me in a bit cuz i haven't even explored that topic that's that's completely new to me we're we're in australia do you know
0: okay i I will i will google everyone else talk about how awesome egypt is for a minute (laughs) i will go find it for you right now but i know that they have said that they have found egyptian hieroglyphs in australia and they don't and and experts say it could be fake but it is a little bit strange is it not yeah you (laughs) you, you have
1: absolutely if it is you have to share share some links with me on that one i'll be keen to um to look at but yeah, go ahead, yeah, no, go ahead. Please. I, was, I was going to say to, to your point, Deb, when you're just talking about religion there briefly, where you know it's kind of one way of my way or the highway sort of belief, but we've seen that time and time again through history as well. I mean, look at uh, people that believe the earth is flat, that in history you've got Galileo, you know, Galileo who uh you know showed that earth wasn't uh, uh this you know, not everything was revolving around earth, that it was the other way around, so um. I think you're going to see time and time again uh, oh, you know, that the, there's always going to be folks that have um, a very um, they're very solidified in their belief system, and there's not a whole lot that they'll ever uh, that they'll ever um, take on board to, to change their belief. And that's why I think having an open mind, not just on this topic of UAP and UFO, but every topic. You should always, as Lou Elizondo has said time and time before, don't just trust the science, question the science. And you should also question, uh, I believe, the narrative that, you know, whether it's a family member or a friend, uh, your government is telling you, you should always be uh, inquisitive and and ask questions and challenge it, not in a disrespectful way, but just don't take everything as gospel and just, um, and just find answers for yourself.
2: Well, let's talk about that for a second because, we just had somebody on that this happened, what you just said. And this is a woman that has a very big reality podcast named Kate Casey. I had had her on my old show before Nathan, Life MMA and NBA, where I t- during a life show I'd talk reality TV yoga, I'd talk about whatever the hell I want. This woman came on and was the most amazing guest I've ever had in my life. Like literally took over my show and I just sat there and just laughed and had fun. So she comes on cab to talk about. I She goes, what do you need me to study for cab? I said, you need to watch the phenomenon. So she watches the phenomenon. She comes on cab. And let me tell you, man, this is what we got. This is what we got. You challenge my worldview. i going to I'm going to I'm going to put a hand in your face. This is what I got out of Kate. Totally different Kate than was on me last time. I got this. Hmm. This, yep. Right, Debs?
0: The, this... the thing that gets me about it, though, she said something about like having an open mind about some paranormal things, and I feel like that happens a lot. People are like, I believe in ghosts, or I believe in angels, but I don't believe in this particular paranormal thing. Because, And, and it's because, and Nathan and I had a
2: long talk about this on the way home from work, because we debriefed this one uh, a couple of days after, and I said... Nathan, you know, you, we wanted to know because a big topic for Deb and Nathan is educating people on the phenomenon, getting people ready for what we all believe in this community is going to happen. Well, we just saw it and she's like, if you're telling me that I got to stop caring about what I care about and, and change my worldview – And stop thinking about reality TV and think about there's a phenomenon out there that we have absolutely no control over. I have a problem with that. And she pushed back on us. Nathan's like, we should have her back for a reality TV episode. I'm like, we're not really reality. I mean, I'll talk to Kate Casey about reality TV, docu-series, or murder all day. She's an absolute genius. But she did not like that. The second part of what I want to tell you is Deb... And probably Benji listening and Deb has heard me say that I had a lot of trouble with the connection between paranormal and UFOs. I didn't see the connection because I was rooted in this idea that paranormal is situated in a location. You know, Deb moves into a house in Baltimore. Somebody died there. Somebody had a traumatic death and doesn't want to leave. And now Deb and her family and the dog have to interact with this poltergeist that's there. And she's trying to counsel it and stuff like that. Um, and and, and she's, she's on mute right now. But anyway.
0: I I, I was saying, what?
2: No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I <laughs> I I so I called Christopher Sharp, as you guys saw me say on Twitter, and I called Maxi McCabe. And I asked Christopher, and I'm not going to go into Christopher's business and the stories that he had to tell me. That's his to tell or not tell to the public. But he changed my, my, my perspective on that because – I said, do you see a connection? He goes, I know X, Y, Z, and B people that have experienced a poltergeist or a spirit and then seen UFOs, UFOs, some sort of experience. So what that made me think, and I'm going to pose this to all three of you, starting with Deb. Deb, so does that mean that there is a whole ton of people who had a poltergeist experience, reported it, told family members, but then if they had a UFO experience, they're like, yo, I'm not talking about that, man. I'm not reporting that to nobody. I
0: think that is entirely possible. I think people are, they've already had their slow drip with ghosts because it's been going on so long. Everyone's like, oh yeah, that house is haunted. That has weird stuff happen. And everyone's like, oh, okay, whatever. Sure, it's probably explainable. But they haven't really quite had that enough with the UAPs. But what what I just wanted to comment really like, on that real quick was that it's interesting that the reverse happens to uap then the poltergeist like activity with the right like hitchhiker. max
2: kind of yeah but he told us about an experience when he was a young father he was probably i don't know if you said he was 25 and he moved into some house he was upstairs and when he brought his child over there they saw it too and that was so that actually predates the shadow figures coming in his house and the UFO. So I don't know. But yeah, mm. good point though. Right. What do you have uh, Benji? Yeah, and Grant?
3: It's, it's, it's a fascinating correlation between the two. I can't really speak for other people's experiences, obviously, but um, for me, I had that after my sightings last year. Uh, actually, I actually, I had a visit from my dad who passed <gasps> away in 2018, uh, came in a dream. Uh, I, I, remember smelling his smell i hugged him in my dream and i actually woke up like bawling my eyes out that night um and that was about two weeks after i had a ufo sighting when i call it my week of weirdness but um yeah so there's got to be something to that for sure
1: grant so i'm i'm still very much of the uh the nuts and bolts aspect i've always separated the, the phenomenon from the paranormal. And that's only because of what uh, I, the only exposure I've had to uh, a potential link is what we've um, seen and heard about at Skinwalker Ranch, uh, what Eric Davis has talked about in his time at, at NIDS. But then you have you have folks that um, refer to like slide nine, for example, from the DOD, Uh, And the first sentence on slide nine is the science exists for an enemy of the United States to manipulate both physical and cognitive environments in order to penetrate U.S. US facilities, influence decision makers and compromise national security. So the fact that there is two bullet points, one regarding cognitive human interface and uh, the other one was unique cognitive human interface experiences, that raises a question to me as to whether or not if there is a a, a non-human intelligence that has uh, the the ability to uh, manipulate our experiences and, and our perception, then how much of what is being reported as paranormal activity is is a byproduct of um, the, the UFO phenomena? Is it, is it being projected on us? Is it a true... Uh, you know, are they completely separate? Are they integrated? Is is one able to manipulate the other? It, it's it's absolutely mind-boggling to think that um, you know, there are is, there is so many different possibilities in, in, well, that, that, in that area. that itself keeps me coming back it, here. Definitely. Yeah, yeah.
2: I, I just want to say this, Grant. It's unknown, right? We don't know. But what no. I'm saying to you at the beginning of your, your statement earlier, you talked about open-mindedness. I was in your camp like... 36 hours ago but then you know when you start listening to people who have experience and you're like wait a minute i'm and nathan's been saying this all along i'm not sure where deb is at on this uh, hopefully she's going to say here in a, a second I'll but you. when you talk to people who have experience now i'm i'm, I'm opening my mind to a possibility that's all i'm offering you because i was in the exact same camp you were in these are different things but now i'm not so sure i'm sorry deb's good what's there's, your
0: there, there's two things I, i'm going to follow up on First is, I think it's more about who we are rather than than the experiences. So I think it's we're picking up the things that are happening. We're looking up because we're getting the sense that we should. So I think it has to do more of, you know, our ability to be an antenna for these things, so to speak, mm-hmm. than than the actual external experience. Because I think that's happening around everybody. I think there are tons of UAPs that people are not noticing I think that we're highly under-reporting the phenomenon. I think there's probably ghosts in a lot more houses that people are not noticing. So I think it really has more to do with the commonality of our own abilities. Um, but
2: but your, your your take on, could you give your take on how connected you, okay, In let's say you're an antenna, just you aside, it could be you, it could be Benji, it could be whomever. Do you find that correlation that what Christopher's talking about and or yeah. Max was a little.
0: Yeah, I've been saying that out. for a while, actually. Um, I've, I've even spoken to Priscilla Quantum Witch about that a little bit. Yeah, Your new we, home, your new friend, your new best yeah. friend. Shout yeah, Priscilla. She, she and I are going to be Team Maryland soon. And we're going to like have our own free two-person conferences where occasionally some New Yorkers may come and hang out with us and like go it. with us to Blue Book and stuff. It's going to oh, happen. I would love to do that. I okay, so, yeah, I told her about some of the haunted places around here. It's going to be cool. But anyway, <laughs> I just wanted I, to I wanted to I was just you... going
1: to say very quickly, just what sums up, I guess, my um, my perspective on the, the link or the potential link between the phenomenon and, and paranormal. Uh, so Robert Langdon from, obviously, The Da Vinci Code is quoted as saying, faith is... A gift that I'm yet to receive. Yes, and that's I how love I, it. <laughs> and, and that's and that's very much how I feel about a lot of the paranormal aspects and how it potentially links in with the phenomenon. So I think I am very much open minded to it, uh, but I I just haven't yet seen and heard enough for myself. And that hopefully will come over time by having discussions with other folks like you have DJ experiences and those that have had these uh, had these you know, unique events uh, that 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 may come over time.
2: Well, admittedly, Grant, when Christopher and I ended the conversation with, uh, to use a British term, there's not enough data. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we don't have, we, what we need to do is be able to get with a number of people who have experienced poltergeist like Deb and who's also seen UFOs. <laughs> oh wait, she's another one. Uh, and Priscilla, <laughs> but I mean, we would need, we need to gather data to, to confirm it, but all I'm saying, like, I'm before I kind of wasn't feeling it, now I'm open to it.
0: Just to, mm-hmm. for the record, everybody, I have not had a poltergeist experience. I have had some experiences that were not related to UAPs, including a dislocated voice, something grabbing my foot, something what. Knocking- Nogging on my window, but that, and then I had some sensory things related to one of those haunted places I was mentioning earlier, but I actually wanted to point out (laughs) that I just spoke to someone who has a theory about how these connect and is trying to get data. Um, His name is um, Patrick Jackson. Yes. And he, he's been doing some work related to spheres and how they're um, all over being dropped all over the planet. Um, If you look at the DIA FOIAs, they're in there. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a possibility that some of these spheres are just coming off of, like, satellites. But some of them, I think, predate the satellites. And, of course, when people talk about seeing orbs, they're probably spheres. So he has a very complicated (laughs) theory. What? A hypothesis. He said yeah.
2: when, it, when people are seeing orbs, they're probably spheres. Yes, they're well, actually probably. They're the probably. same shape. So what is he talking about?
0: No. One just one looks like light. The other is metallic. Uh, some of so them are like, like un-
2: red glowing, right? Right.
0: They look like a light. But underneath that light is probably the metal sphere. Probably. Right. If you could see it. Well, <laughs> people have found them. The DIA picked them up. They're in moon dust files. But my point mm. is... A I think lot Christina work.
1: Gomez just did a uh, a show uh, on um, uh, shifting the paradigm on, on spheres, so just right. as a side comment. I haven't watched it, but yeah. Right.
0: So if you, if you look into his work, he's trying to do some science with it and he has a theory, which I just added recently um, to the connector, which is called like, which I called it the paranormal network. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he is not just looking at UAPs, but he thinks that, all of the paranormal activity has to do with that what's also interesting is it kind of lends itself towards electromagnetic stuff right and i was just watching a video about how our planet is special because it basically shields itself with the magnetic field that it has and that's what keeps us alive essentially that's how special Mm -hmm. that field is so there could be something there that could, like, everything could be triggered by this network.
2: Wow. Sounds like Wi Fi all of a sudden.
1: <laughs> or oh. it could just be, you know, uh, in alignment with what R- Rather Be Squidding's thoughts are that it just could be alien poop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: uh. Well, that's what some of that debris is, right?
1: Meta materials. Yeah.
0: Possibly. Yeah.
2: All right, guys. Uh, I- I'm going to peace out. I'm going to let Deb and Benji take care of the rest of this without my mouth getting involved but i will say this i wanted to come and see grant because grant is
1: Uh, thank you my friend
2: amazing uh a legend in the community deb's we heap more praise on you last night than you even want to know but benji does know
0: was it enough to get um the person who was in the space with you to finally let me interview him
2: it was enough to get you a raise on cab i'll put it that way okay well that's awesome Um, i
0: appreciate that yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh,
2: who was in the space of your one interview? Was it Tupa or what?
0: Uh, I think it's uh, Mark.
2: Mark. Oh, Mark! Mark love is Mark. a hard. I don't even know if Grant knows Mark. He's a tough get, man. I mean, he's he's a tough get, but man, what? Uh, hopefully, Benji, will get to meet him. they are both out there, but what an extraordinary person! I would love to interview him. He's um, Mark's he's awesome.
0: I've yeah, had so my interactions with guy, him too, man. He's very interested in um, the historical aspect of UAPs, the biblical aspect, and and Old Testament, um, the Uh. connection to uh, Israel and UAPs. Mm -hmm. He's actually
3: the one who uh, recommended the Nag Hammadi scriptures to me, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a really good book, if anybody's interested.
2: He's really smart. And he said that there's someone else who confirmed uh, Haim Meshed's thing about uh, some sort of craft or something on the dark side of the moon, so you guys can. I'd let you guys chew on that one. <laughs> <But> <laughs>
0: Man, that moon! That moon is a whole hour of confusion right Dude, there. Um,
1: uh, I'm, I'm hanging out for the Artemis missions. That'll be good to get back to the moon, so we can I see. Yeah, weird. we
2: need some. Mm. We need some video on the dark on the, just, the moon, isn't it? I told him Pink Floyd discovered this long before all these other. Right now, just much, I just take think... you know.
0: I think the weirdest thing is that we aren't already there. Like, why did we just go, hey, money. this moon is cool.
2: It's, it money. It's a but lot of money. But they spent it on a
0: whole bunch of other stuff. Like, why well, could not they just, I'm, like, why did they piece out on the moon?
2: It's very, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, for, again, when you speak to us, you're speaking to the choir. We all would, obviously, everyone that you know from our community would want to be on the moon. But in Congress's purse strings, it's a very tough sell When you have all these different programs and you're like, yeah, we need to go back to the moon. And they're like, why? We left in 74 and for what reason do we need to go back? I agree with you. But anyway. um,
1: Awesome to chat with you as always, brother.
2: Great to chat with you. (laughs) I'm doing the Australian (laughs) salute. And one love to uh, Aboriginal actor Aaron, is it Peterson or Pedersen? How do you say his name?
1: Uh, or, or you don't I, know I, mystery I, road I'm, man I'm, I'm an intelligent man but i can't speak intelligently on the pronunciation pronunciation well, of his no, name
2: i still like you but all right Deb, <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you very much uh for the invitation okay, okay thanks dj thank enjoy, you enjoy a glass night. of the red yeah. yep yeah that's probably a good idea now that i'm off all the meds i can have some wine thank you appreciate that and group. don't and, to... and
1: don't don't break another hip too by the way <laughs>
2: <laughs> i didn't break it i just needed one <laughs> it was good All right. i
1: hope your recovery's going well
2: thank you bye Dave. dj bye guys have fun
1: okay so let's hey, to get answer to... your question deb by the way i just had a look at the uh the link that you shared so the gosford glyphs and gosford's yes. in uh, northern uh, new south wales so i know the area quite well yeah, uh, if you're if you're asking for my opinion, they look a little bit too clean for for my okay. liking. If you take into consideration all of the erosion and weathering that's happened uh, over millennia in Egypt, those look a little bit clean uh, and yeah, fresh for I, my I, liking. But I don't know.
0: What's funny about it is. Uh, the first time i heard about them wasn't today because someone had just recently gone out who said they, they were like an a expert and believes that they're still valid and when you go look at wikipedia it's all debunked 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 so it's really it's tough it's a tough one
1: i'd love to see it in person though yeah
0: right well now you know if Maybe you I, want to just see I, I, some I'm... egyptian
1: <laughs> now i know where it is i got the coordinates there i can uh, next time I'm up in sydney it's only a, a couple hours drive north so
0: well very this, cool. is a, this is a pretty good segue for something else i was going to mention actually um let's talk about some of the petroglyphs that are in australia um, they're pretty notorious people who are interested in the mm, let's say cryptid hypothesis you could say or ancient alien hypothesis are very fascinated by the indigenous australian artwork of the one one john i'm going to say this wrong Wan genius was it one genus yes i'm probably said it wrong one genus so um essentially my my question about that is what is, what is your take on that? Because they're basically talking about sky people, just like the indigenous people of the Americas. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if you, if, if you just look at some of the, uh, the depictions in some of the remarkable artwork and, and it is artwork. I mean, uh, you know, some of them have a strike. I mean, our frame of reference is obviously what we see in pop culture as alien grays uh, mm-hmm. you know spacemen wearing these uh, space suits from you know when we went to the moon and NASA so there is a striking resemblance with what we would associate with uh, aliens or space grays or, or or sorry alien grays or spacemen in, in or astronauts in uh, in astronaut suits so you have to think well where did they what were they looking at that actually, inspired them to, uh, you know, depict that on the the hard rock face of, of a wall. Right. So I, I, I think I there think is so. certainly, yes, and it's not just in the Aboriginal culture as well. I mean, look at what's in uh, other geographies in the world. Mm-hmm. So strikingly similar in what they depict. So the fact that you've got cultures that are separated by uh, vast differences that had never known about one another, that have... Right striking resemblances, then then there is certainly something there is a there there on that front. Right.
0: And if you look into Peru, the, the worship of this shaping of the skull, which also occurred in Egypt, where you want the, your skull to be bigger and long, you know, which is similar to what people say a gray skull looks like. It's fascinating. Also, if you look at these petroglyphs, you'll notice that they don't really have noses. Um, mm-hmm. If they do, it's it's like very um like it's almost like just a line like they're trying to say there's something there but not much um and then they also don't have mouths and there's something to do with that that is a little bit more spiritual um so there's a possibility we're misinterpreting something but when you go ask the the people apparently they're going to tell you these are these are sky people um And they tell, they say they, they are sky people. They're not, it's not just a misinterpretation. Um, and they are still doing the artwork today. And it's very protected. Um, you're not, not just anyone is allowed to do it. It has to be someone who's part of the culture. Otherwise, it's basically sacrilegious.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The other interesting thing I find about all of these, and Grant, you brought up the point of different like geographical locations of these petroglyphs too. And they're super old. Mm-hmm. And they often are accompanied by a spiral shape near where it happens, and that's in South America. That's in Australia. That's in North America, into Canada. It's all over. So yep. it just it, it makes me curious as to again, like you said, what were they seeing or what were they shown that made them depict what they depicted?
0: Mm.
1: And you could, and that's also. Uh, I mean, if you you, know, you look back at just. Uh, what is in the Bible and descriptions of Ezekiel's wheel, mm-hmm. and uh, what you see in the, the, rena- the Renaissance area—sorry, era, uh, Renaissance era—of uh, these, you know, Romans seeing uh, fiery chariots in the sky. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's their frame of reference for what they're seeing, based on right. what's available in in their uh, their day and time. So, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's absolutely intriguing. Looking at the, uh, the the petroglyphs, not just from uh, you know, Australian Aboriginal culture, but all over the world. And I think there is definitely something to the idea that this is a, a, a potential non-human intelligence that's been visiting this planet for a very, very long time.
0: Mm-hmm. And just... also possibly has been on it the whole time with us, right? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. visiting, but living here. That's been implied by some people. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it could be, uh, you know, even ultra terrestrial in nature. That's part of some breakaway civilization that's just evaded human detection for millennia because we don't have the technology to, uh, to, to detect it or
0: understand it. Well, let's talk about another part um, that goes into the history for Australia, the rainbow serpent. Now, granted, they traditionally did not call it that um it had so many different names because there are multiple um, languages that were indigenous to australia um i'm, I'm not going to try to say those names to you i already messed up the other ones so <laughs> but but i will i'll just go with the rainbow serpent and keep it safe but the story um, i actually found someone who was reading the storybook um on on the web um mm-hmm. it's not a very long story, but the story basically involves you know a, a long object, a snake mm-hmm. and boys climbing into it and disappearing um, essentially the snake ate the boys right and then the, then the snake went above everybody because it flew and disappeared. Does that sound like anything you can think of <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no one, no one wants to say it. No, it's
1: pretty. <laughs> Tell us what you think of them.
0: Okay, I'll just say it. They, when they, I did some look at some academic papers where they question Indigenous Australians about UAPs, and you know it came up a lot, abductions.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, uh, there you go. Okay. so yep. so do
0: you think that you know there's a possibility that story was about some kids going in a ship and being taken up above where the people couldn't reach them anymore.
3: Personally, I think so, because, I mean, there's a lot of interpretations, I think, in a lot of those old texts and things. So you could, you never could know. Be,
0: could be, right? I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. But, you know, of course, some people could say we're just reaching, but it just seems like a interesting coincidence. You know? I think
3: there's a lot of those, though. So I don't think it's a reach necessarily because there's a lot of other like things that are unrelated to this one specifically that people make, and you could relate those to things from culture to culture. So I don't think that's a stretch.
0: Okay, thank you for supporting uh, me. Going, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> this this so th- long. <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was going to say um, I just pulled up some uh, when I was reading about Rambo serpent when I posted uh, a response to you on Twitter earlier. Uh, it, it essentially came up with some information that in times of, in times of floods, the, the rainbow serpent, to your point, would swallow and consume uh, people, regurgitate their bones and turn them into stone uh, so they can uh, also uh, enter uh, a man and give him the gift of magical powers or leave little rainbows uh, within his body, which will make him uh, ail and die. The rainbow serpent is considered the regenerative, regenerative and reproductive power in nature and human being, human beings, and is therefore the is therefore the main character in the region's Mm. major ceremonies. So it's, um, and it's not just a serpent too. It's actual has different parts. It's a mythical creature that has different parts too. It's got a kangaroo head, crocodile tail, and then the body of the snake. So and it shows uh, up in when it
3: floods. Interesting.
0: Also, mm. when it left at the end of the story, it goes into the water. Yep, to live. It's, and and it also, by the way, is a creator. Um, it created um mountains and valleys and um animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was really an interesting story. Now we all have creation myths. You know, we have the Adam and Eve. We have. You know, stories about Zeus and Jupiter and, you know, same person, but whatever. And, you know, so on and so forth. But I I can't help but just wonder why are all of our creation myths coming from the sky?
3: It's very fascinating. And I guess I could kind of segue this into a question I had for you, Grant. There was a report that came out of Australia last year talking about uh, since we're on the topic of Australian creatures here. This report, I believe it was, I think it was through the FOIA system in Australia, and it mentioned something about dwarf-like beings and also cat-faced beings. And it seems stateside here, that report seemed to have faded into the ether. Nobody's really talking about it. Did anybody bring that up uh, down under or anything, or is it just the The, same?
1: The actual, the first time I'd heard about that was when I was... uh, I was on with u c r and and ra- rather besquitting asked me that very same question i I had never heard uh, of that those reports before, so he kindly sent me a link to uh to the articles or materials referenced and that's a that's an odd one because I don't think it's ever there there never seems to be any correlation from um from a whole lot of other cases that that seems to be a very isolated unique uh occurrence or or observation so the fact that it isn't uh you know reported time and time again is is uh, is odd which i don't know it's one i'd have to read a lot more about to kind of deep dive further but um there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of commonality between that case and and what we've heard time and time again with uh you know what folks see in pop culture as alien greys or even the other aliens that are depicted you know the the tall whites and the uh when know, I saw cat faces and...
3: yeah, it's 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 interesting. And I saw that and it made automatically I thought of some of the depictions you see of the Egyptian goddesses mm-hmm. with cat cat-like faces and depictions you see in hieroglyphics. It's just fascinating to me.
0: But you can't also rule out the fact that when someone's seeing a creature with big long black eyes. <laughs> they might say well, they that's true they, that's and it, true it,
1: uh, they're, they're, if they're yeah again what's their frame of reference if they see something like that they're going to try and uh, link it to what they uh, what they know or what they've seen in real life so it right. could be there could be something to that as well
0: but yeah. there is a pervasive story um, or I should say folklore about little beings sprites um, goblins elves uh-huh. yeah. um yeah. and then you know the 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 joke about the little green men isn't that funny really when you think about how many times people have talked about that and changelings you know as part of that taking the children and possibly giving back a fake child that's not the same child you know that's kind of a creepy concept but it is it does involve abduction so our history is rich with these concepts and you have to go. Hmm. Should we be listening to some of these things? Should we be paying attention and giving this like you know maybe something's going on? Definitely.
1: <laughs> I agree. I agree. And and I, to your point, Benji, yeah. If you look at just the way that the gods are depicted in uh, uh you know, in the Egyptian culture, you, you know they all have uh, depictions of an animal head and. These mm-hmm. cat-like beings is is certainly one of them. So, uh, is is there a connection there? Who knows? But it's uh, it certainly begs the question.
0: Right, and let's let's do a little parallel here. Where do we know has an alligator god? Uh, we just talked about one that has a- an alligator part to it in Australia, yeah. and the other one is egypt and
3: also Mm uh i believe there was an alligator god in like aztec culture too if i'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken
0: right it's interesting and so you know the the thing that gets me about the egyptians is that they um the bloodline had to be protected they were very firm on that because they believed they were part god Mm. they believed the pharaohs and the queens were gods and they had that's why they ended up like marrying their siblings and stuff like that they were trying to keep that dna from their god ancestors
1: it was certainly a um a bit of a incestuous bunch (laughs) yeah uh, it was creepy but (laughs) it was very much melrose place (laughs)
0: yeah it was creepy so i feel like um i'm going to be looking at your channel in the future hoping that you're going to go into all of these topics but before we you know move on to the next part i just want to say i'm no no pressure but i'm hoping you're going to do all that (laughs)
1: <laughs> you've, you've certainly just given me some ideas for some future episodes. I mean, the, right. I mean, a lot of the things that we're talking about today, I've only got a very scratch-the-surface knowledge of. So right. uh, you, you're kind of exciting me about other things that I can dive into in I my own backyard. It. That um, I mean, uh, the, 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 the focus that I took with my very first episode of the Unexplained Rundown was to try and understand why the Australian Department of Defence does not share – the same concerns and sentiments of uh, its U.S. ally and Five Eyes partner in taking the UAP topic seriously because the Australian, the Royal Australian Air Force from nineteen the early 1950s to the mid-1990s had, point of fact, a, a, a policy in place to investigate and take reports of uh, UFOs or what they would refer to then as uh, UAS, Unusual Aerial sightings. So they had... Uh, an actual policy in place for a number of decades. And then uh, in the mid nineties, they stopped taking reports uh, from members of the public and uh, military personnel. And they just encouraged folks to reach out to their local police or civilian UFO, UFO authority to kind of, you know, just follow up with them. Uh, And then in 2013, they formally terminated their unusual aerial sightings policy altogether. So there's currently because that they could see no, compelling reason or scientific reason to actually further, to warrant further investigation, which in 2022, uh, our our US ally and Five Eyes partner is of completely the opposite assessment. They disagree with that completely. So uh, I've been trying to understand why the Australian government has been playing mum on this topic uh, for so long, considering that you know, its uh, its largest uh, ally and strategic partner is taking it very seriously. You would think that the Australian government has a vested interest in understanding what the US uh, is worried about and keeps them up at night from potential national security threats, and yet Australia is not taking any interest in it whatsoever. So uh, I've been trying to engage my elected representatives to inquiries to well why haven't you even read why hasn't the Department of Defense even read the ODNI's preliminary assessment on on UAP as of this year they actually haven't even read it and formally reviewed it so uh, so that was very much the focus of my first video and and something I'm still passionate about trying to engage my elected representatives to further uh, the the conversation on that front but there's a lot of other topics that I'm um, I'm keen to cover in in future episodes as well
3: I I actually got a chance to watch that video recently that you did, Grant. And I just wanted to ask, I know that was made prior to the public hearings, so post-public hearings, considering that Australia, you know, they typically follow the US's lead on a lot of this stuff. Have they shown any updated interests at all?
1: Not as of yet. But the thing that is uh, encouraging is that last month, so we just went through a federal federal, uh, election here in Australia, and there has been a change in government. So now we have a new uh, political party that is in power that has been elected, and point in fact, the the new minister for defence for Australia, his name is Richard Miles. He actually was interviewed. Uh, he's also the deputy prime minister, and he was interviewed in March of 2021, uh, and he was asked about his passion for uh, discovering life outside of uh, Earth. So he very much takes. Uh, an approach that, you know, we can't be the only kid on the block. There's uh, science and uh, endeavours that are being put in place with all these brand new technologies and optical telescopes to, you know, uh, through uh, obviously now what's happening with um, the the new telescope that, that NASA's put into to orbit and uh, obviously what they've examined in the past that it's only a matter of time before there is some form of, Intelligence outside of our, our, our own planet that is discovered. So the fact that he is very much amenable to that topic uh, is exciting because it it makes me want to understand what his appetite is for exploring. Well, what about the things that we're seeing closer to home? So,
0: well, and the, you know, I think the reason on on the record, my thought about why the u.s gets to be in the head on this and why other people just stay behind and pretend they don't care because they do obviously they have to pay attention for security reasons right
1: and they share signals intelligence as well and it's actually mandated in the national defense authorization act that the u.s is going to coordinate with its allies to further understand and evaluate uap so the u.s is going to come to australia and ask questions yeah
0: yeah we know that they were there when um the the experience happened at westall right i think they got that name right that was a school that had Mm a um experience much like the aerial school but not not as heavily publicized not as many movies and documentaries about it same same pretty much thing happened though um but the americans showed up for that so we know that there's involvement but I, and, I was, and kinda... you had
1: uh, J. Allen Hynek came out to his, uh, Australia right. in 1973 um, after Blue Book, obviously, and was having right. meetings with the, uh, the the Royal Australian Air Force's Department uh, of Air's Directorate of Air Force Intelligence on that very topic.
0: Right, and by the way, you know, if anyone wants to know more about that, not only did Grant point out where those documentaries are, but Ross Coulthart has. Um, really done quite an extensive amount of work on that and hopefully we'll see more about that in the future especially with aerial school coming forward because people should know this is was not just one place mm-hmm. but I just wanted to um touch on why I think that the U.S. is kind of in the head and I think it's simply because of NASA because mm-hmm. they had NASA okay I really think that's what it was about and I don't know if, if you have um heard but Some other countries are being slowly nudged to improve their space programs right now. Um, Some did not even have one um, and they're slowly starting to build them up. Now, granted, there are other issues that have to do with space safety. Um, Mm -hmm. There's concerns about satellites and espionage and all that stuff. Um, Just missiles and things, the horrible things that humans do, but my my point is I think that's what it was all about really that we had NASA. And I think yeah, that's I think what...
1: uh, I agree I think that the fact that the US has uh, been at the forefront of innovation and discovery and exploration for oh, for as you know for, for as for my generation and that of my father's generation and and NASA pretty much uh, led the charge for the for the space race I mean when John F. Kennedy, um, you know, challenged NASA to reach the moon in 10 years, that was seen by the rest of the world as, as a very, um, you know, very bold endeavor. And I think NASA has always been looked up to since then as, uh, you know, leading the pack. And I, I agree with Ross Coulthard that I think Australia will eventually fall into line uh, and follow suit and follow the, the U.S.'s lead. Um, And, you know, the the U.S. is living proof that you can walk and chew gum at the same time. I think it's a a poor excuse from the Australian government to say, well, there's no scientific or compelling reason to investigate this topic when its ally is treating it very differently.
0: Right. Now, we can hope that everything is going to go well with cooperation uh, behind closed doors. But I did catch during the hearing that one of the congressmen was like be careful what you tell other people and i was like how dare you say that in front of everybody on camera (laughs) you know we're talking about allies here (laughs) so that was a little bit awkward and uncomfortable because it is the opposite of what we should be doing
1: Mm. yep 100 percent. and i mean that's what the five eyes is all about sharing sharing signals intelligence to make sure that it it's uh, understands what potential threats. I mean, if the if the if the role of the Royal Australian Air Force is to main air dominance, uh, you know, how can you how can you um, hold that position when you're not even actively, uh, you know, you, you're not even uh, open to the suggestion that UAP are something to be taken seriously, not just for potential national security threats, but safety of flight risk for its military aviators and civilian aviators as well. And that's, I think, sadly, stigma is a product of the US government that's plagued the topic for too long. But what I really took away from the the public congressional hearings is that the Pentagon is now making a concerted effort to destigmatize the topic and make it easier for military personnel to report something via a very simple see something, say something reporting approach which makes a lot of sense. So I think it'll only be a matter of time before uh, the Australian government and Department of Defence uh, follows suit, I think. I think they're just waiting to see, uh, you know, what will be the, f- the, the public uh, reception and political reception to a lot of these discussions because this topic has been seen as political suicide for, uh, for far too long by folks in, in elected positions.
0: Well, what has happened to Senator Wish Wilson since he came forward and asked his questions?
1: I think uh, his support has only increased. I think he's had uh, more people uh, that are certainly in his party that support his efforts. So he's a member of the Greens Party. Uh, I've reached out to uh, not only Senator Peter Wish Wilson um, following you know, the courage and gumption he sh- sh- you know, showed in October of last year to ask the question about UAP following the ODNI's preliminary assessment back in June of last year. He asked the Chief Air Marshal, so the Chief of Air Force, uh, about UAP and what is Australia doing to essentially mitigate the risks inherent that UAP potentially posed to military aviators. Uh, so there are now, I think, other senators and folks that are um, in positions uh, of members of parliament that are uh, more open to having the conversation uh, now that the U S has led the charge and the fact that we now have a new defense minister that is uh, has an appetite for science and exploration and discovering life beyond our own planet. So I think they're all, they're all promising, uh, promising things that will hopefully open up the conversation even further in in Australian government over the course of the next 12 months.
0: Okay. So um, I'm fairly fairly optimistic that things are going to start turning around. I don't know if you guys um, ever went back to look at why we have any documents from some of these countries, but for the first time, um, we started really getting documents. Like when the public started getting them, it seemed like there was a domino effect. Um, one country did it, then another country, then another country. Some of them have since been pulled, like I can't find them, but I was able to find quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Some of some of them, once they were out, people made their own copies, so they couldn't be hidden. But I feel like that's how it works. Like there was a huge amount of disclosure at one period of time about 10 years ago, just like a domino. So I'm optimistic that that does that's what we're going towards. But I wanted to ask you since, since the most recent news having to do with NASA just happened, (laughs) what are your thoughts about this study that's getting only a hundred thousand dollars when they've already spent about a million dollars asking how the world's religions will handle extraterrestrial life?
1: (laughs) Very good point. Uh, It was disheartening to, you know, uh, to, to To realize that so little uh, money was being thrown behind the effort. And I think it's only the start, too. I think it's probably the, the start of a larger conversation and study that NASA will have over time. I think they're just getting their feet wet initially. I mean, 100K, that's only going to be the payroll for one or two full-time staff. So there's not much you can do with 100,000. But I think that's... Um, that's the start of a potentially long exploration that NASA will have uh, on on the topic to formally disclose um, data because their intention i believe is to make reports available on uh, on their this study that they've been commissioned to undertake but i think they're, um, they're they're treading carefully and taking very small steps initially mm-hmm. so but i think uh, that the fact that they're uh, one of the the headlines that I saw uh, in an article the other day was you know, NASA commits to UFO study despite reputational risks. So I think they're being cautious around the reputational risks associated with exploring that topic, uh, and that's why they're
0: starting small. And that title offended me, by the way. It was not just one publication that said it. It was said mm-hmm. over and over. That offended me because they might as well have said despite tinfoil hats or despite the worry about little green men why did they have to put it that way why couldn't they just leave it as serious study of uaps why I did they agree. always have to throw something like that in and disparage it it's
1: frustrating they, they, they should have taken a book out of avi Loeb's uh, effort and if they if they took the the same um you know Matter of fact, this is how it is. This is the scientific approach and method that we're going to take to explore this topic. If they took that same road, uh, I think they would be seen, um, their efforts would be seen very differently by not just this community, but the the broader public as well. So, And that comes down to stigma. I think, as even Avi Loeb has said it before, you know, they're, they're letting the ego come into the Come into play. Uh, they folks don't want to be ridiculed or made fun of, or had mm-hmm. jokes made behind their back, or for their public funding or grants to be jeopardized, and there be reprisals mm-hmm. for. So stigma, unfortunately, is still alive and well. Um, not in not just in uh, you know, the Australian government; it's still very much alive in the U.S. government and a lot of U.S. departments and organizations as well, including NASA. The the one. Thing that was very promising was when Bill Nelson came out and had those uh, those discussions and his mm-hmm. open remarks. When was it? In less than a year ago, um, I think that got folks very very excited. So it's kind of a almost feels like a bit of a walk back to a degree uh, from the the way that
0: right it was not presented NASA's well.
1: efforts are being reported. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't presented well at all. I but also the the media, this... I th- I think <laughs> I the just... media also. Mm. Uh, Sorry to cut you off, but I think the media also plays um, a part um, that negatively impacts advancing the conversation because whenever you see, particularly in Australia, whenever you see uh, one of the mainstream media channels do a report on the public congressional hearings or it was when ODI's preliminary assessment came out, whenever they do a report and they cover it, they always throw on the X-Files theme at the start of it. Right, I know, they're still doing it,
0: it. It really,
1: really just, yeah, it's it's frustrating.
0: But this is what bugged me also about that presentation. He kept throwing Bill Nelson under the bus. He kept saying, I can't deny that my boss told me to do this, essentially. Did you catch that?
1: I didn't catch that, no. I I, um, I didn't hear that. That's uh, I didn't, I didn't catch that. I must have missed that when I was listening to the recording. Yeah, he but... said
0: it a couple ways, he said yeah. it in a couple ways. So, yeah, yeah. The, the lead scientist essentially who was speaking said, Oh, I can't deny that my boss had a big part of this, like, I have to do it. <laughs> you yep. know, that's that was implied, and I think that's a terrible way to present this. Mm-hmm. Yep,
3: I, um, but, um... I, I'm pretty optimistic about this whole situation with NASA, but I gotta say, $100,000. I hope mm-hmm. that is to pay people to go through the old footage. We'll just say that. I think that that's yeah. a, good, it's a good number to give people if you want them to sift through all the stuff that they already had. And they alluded to that. They wanted to check to see like, what sensor systems they have that can pick up these things, et cetera, et cetera. So hopefully that's what it is. And then in nine months, they'll have gone through it and say, hey, this is the data set. We have something to go off of. Now
1: here's where we're going to get to. Exactly. Right. I think they're keeping their cards very close to their chest chest at this early juncture, and I think mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for that to uh, open up more broadly over time. To be quite frank with you, I'm probably less confident um, about the, the the attempts for there to be some form of uh, disclosure by the U.S. government or a government, uh, as well, including NASA. Uh, and I'm more, I take more, um, I find it to be more promising and I take comfort knowing that there is someone like a Dr. Arby Loeb that is proactively uh, taking this topic seriously and exploring it. So I, I, it's my hope that the Galileo Project does get funding from some big donors because I think their, uh, their heart is in the right place and their intentions are, uh, are certainly um, good from a from a scientific standpoint, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Galileo project really gets the funding that it deserves that Will hopefully see some exciting results and data come out of endeavor. Yeah. I
3: agree with you 100% on that grant for me um, I think the article I read this morning that Avi posted on medium about his thoughts on the NASA thing is was very telling to me and that they that he had spoken to one of those scientists that was in the presentation Mm -hmm. before they even announced the Galileo project and then now you have NASA coming out basically taking the same model that they have already used so it's just it's interesting to me
0: I I just have to chime in and throw um out that there have been other scientists before Avi before NASA absolutely yeah yeah. there's been a ton of them actually McDonald's was one you know, rest in peace, McDonald's. It's a very sad story. Um, and then there were numerous other people. Uh, there's people who are part of the Society of Scientific Exploration. Um, people like Bruce McAbee, um, Technically, you know, Hal Putoff, Valet. They all do science, you know. so Dr. A- John Mack. Uh, Yeah. another one dr john mack you know so there's been a lot of intense academic research and people are acting like this is new (laughs) and the people actually i believe that um this was said by um the author of American Cosmic, Diana Posolka, she said the people who have been doing this for decades are going to get annoyed and they're going to come forward because they've been doing the work. And all these people are coming forward now and trying to say that, you know, this is new. We're going to get credit. Well, no, there's been people doing it for decades. So I hope mm. they come
3: forward. Come forward. Tell us. Like, let's hear it.
0: Finally, (laughs) They're going to be irritated. They're going to be like, oh, look at NASA trying to get all the credit. And they're going to come forward. Or they're going to look at um, Avi's work and be like, no, he's not doing that right. He's pointing the wrong way. We've got to go get that telescope where it's supposed to be or something. And they're going to come forward. And actually, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them already have. Because he has Mm. hundreds of scientists already signed up. And it's not hard to sign up.
1: But I think, unfortunately, the environment for a lot of those researchers back in the day was not conducive to uh you know the reception that the topic has now received like if you if you look at where we are in 2022 where we can be on a a podcast or you can be on a live stream actively talking about this conversation you've got safety and strength in numbers to talk about it with folks that are like-minded like yourself 20 years ago what 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 opportunities or uh, avenues did you have Mm -hmm. to talk about this topic? You either had to go to a conference, you had to research it uh, in in your basement in the shadows where you had very little money or funding to to commit to the endeavor or you had an online chat room where you could talk about it. I think there's certainly Mm -hmm. been a a paradigm shift from where we were 20 years ago to where we are today where you have the younger generations uh, like ourselves and folks of Christina Gomez's generation that are – That are are, uh, seeking answers. They're they're tolerant. Their pursuit of the truth and their tolerance tolerance for what the truth will reveal is, I think, far uh, more indicative on where we are of this topic today than we were 20 years ago.
0: We're also pretty intolerant of being lied to at this point and just like, no, no. Mm, <laughs> That's now. the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't
1: want to be waiting another seventy-five years to find out what has what the hell's been going on. Yet. I
0: know. I think they I think they sensed the rebellious um side of like being in the United States, I can tell you, and Benji, you can tell me if you've sent it too, there's been a lot of tension, a lot of sense of rebellion, a lot of fighting against these mandates that have to do with covid a lot of um, issues related to our society as a whole there's been a big pushback so i think that they know this is not the time to be doing any more lying maybe we need to start healing you know that our country needs something to heal um
3: you know i hear a lot of people online especially saying like "Oh, this stuff already happened in the 60s like the hippies were trying to push for this stuff too and people were trying to get the government to talk about UFOs and like didn't work then it's not going to work now but the one thing I remind people of that we have that we didn't have then is the freaking internet man yeah we have access to instantaneous information at the click of a button Mm -hmm. back then you had to do it you you had to get news from like what four networks on TV and then you had your papers and you had your library, I think. Uh, what what else did you have back then?
0: Yeah. I mean, even you know? now there's some FOIAs that are not available that you still have to go physically get there, print, and scan. They're, we're still not fully there as yeah. far as getting some of the information. There's some research that's not been organized yet from some of the major researchers. Um so yeah, there's still still work to be done, but the information that we do have, we're sharing it instantly, as you said. And um, well, that's hard to ch- keep secrets now. Change,
1: change, transformation, and impact all happens now at the speed of a tweet. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, good or bad, uh, you know, the, the the age we live in. You just have there's that immediate uh, access to information that was not even conceivable. Uh, in, you know, the 80s when I was uh, a young kid. I mean, before it was the internet, it was, I think, referred to as the information superhighway. You know, folks right. didn't really envisage what the, uh, what the, the, the internet could do for, uh, for, for humanity. I think it's I th- done a hell of a lot more good than it has bad, but, um, you know, the fact that we're just having this conversation today on this topic is, uh, is,
0: is a testament to that. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out that I think the people who influence us have changed. We used to be really respectful towards politicians for the most part. We used to look up to them and see them as role models. We used to look to actors and celebrities that way. Nowadays, people look to each other. Mm. They look to other people on YouTube. The bands, they don't necessarily have record labels. You know, they're they're playing their music um, without record labels and selling them without the companies. We don't even always bank through um, traditional means anymore. Some people are doing other things like uh, cryptocurrency. So so our, our shift is towards each other more than these uh, rich people, essentially, is the easiest way to put it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree. And, and look what's happening with, uh, I mean, mainstream media now is being left behind the eight ball. They're catching up. On this topic where it's folks like us that have an appetite and interest and thirst for this information and truth on this topic we're at the forefront in getting this information first and then disseminating to those that are also interested in this topic i mean you have the brian benders and the the the, the dean johnson's and and you know other folks that you know christopher sharp that are doing great reporting on this topic and the debrief and uh, drive. And, you know, this information is getting to us first before it is uh, being relayed by mainstream media to the masses. And I think that mm-hmm. is going to only uh, ramp up even further and faster as more and more people take to uh, this topic and, and turn to platforms like you know, YouTube and, and others to jump on these podcasts and live streams mm-hmm. and get their information first from those folks.
0: Right, and actually, you know, it's interesting how many times we see people come onto UFO Twitter who are part of the mainstream media asking questions from us.
1: Exactly. Yep. <laughs> if if only if only Congress would do the same. I mean, it was so disheartening. Even though I really appreciated the questions that Gal- Representative Gallagher asked at the public hearing. Um, he only committed five hours of independent private research before he actually asked those questions. So I'm sure he's got staffers and folks mm. that were giving him some uh, some pointers. But you know, if if you're going to be if if there's going to be future hearings in Congress are going to uh, need want to ask hard questions, then I think they need to engage folks like Ross Coulter, like uh, you know. George Knapp, like folks, the pioneers, Diana Pasolka, mm-hmm. those that are doing, you know, Gary, Nolan, those that are doing, uh, at, are at the forefront of uh, investigative journalism and research and scientific scrutiny of everything that's associated with this topic. Because they will be, they will be far better trusted advisors for you on this topic than mm-hmm. just trying to go through the the mountain of data yourself and come up with key questions to ask
0: i do feel like um they learned a lesson this last round that things (laughs) will be better i will say that uh, someone indicated to me that it might not be the same committee doing the next round of questions That there's other committees that are looking at this and are interested on the Um, senate
3: side too is what i heard as well we'll yeah so
0: so we might be surprised about where this is going to start coming from um Mm. obviously the office that our tax money is going towards is not up and running yet they're they're not even (laughs) like on the same page it seems um so that's disappointing because they only have so much time before their you know time is up and they have to show what they've done um really actually not much time at all because the first report's supposed to be in october so
1: Mm. well actually i wanted to throw a question uh your way if i could if if we were to play a game of you know uap fantasy league real quick who would you like to see called to testify or maybe even subpoenaed to testify at a at a future future hearing future public hearing
0: am i am i only allowed to pick one person
1: you pick uh, give me a top three
0: okay robert salas who of course is going to brazil uh mm-hmm. lou Alizondo, and I don't remember his name right now, even though people have been talking about it, but the head of the UAP task force. Yep.
3: Jay
1: Stratton.
0: Yep. Good Thank you. How about you, Benji? I would,
3: I would add Chris Mellon to that list. Um, I would probably put, uh, I'd probably put Lou in there. And then honestly, if I'm being a little sassy, I would immediately follow Lou with uh, Rick Doty subpoena, so that people can finally yeah. see what an actual disinformation agent looks like.
0: You know who else needs to go up? Hal Putoff. Because I've done the research on the people and Hal Putoff has been involved in more things than anybody. Mm -hmm. He's been in more organizations connected to more people than anybody. Oh, and you know what? Bigelow. Because Bigelow is also highly connected, has funded a lot of these programs, and isn't sharing everything with people.
3: Yep. Yeah, Good call. I, may I would even add Timothy Taylor to so that list too, now that I'm thinking about it harder. It's another good one.
0: Where Timothy.
1: I would love to see Eric Davis uh just so we can put the Wilson Davis documents to bed once and for all if there is legitimacy to it or if it's just bunk. Uh and also I I would certainly support um Ross Coulthard's uh suggestion. He mentioned on um on a, on a podcast uh, only a few days ago that he would love to see, I think it was on Need to Know, actually, uh, all of the members of the Special Access Program Oversight Committee because if there has indeed been a crash retrieval program, um, then those are folks that would be in the know and be able to confirm or you know, uh, uh, or not confirm the... Uh, the existence of programs that were committed to those endeavors and not just limited to crash retrievals but other projects as well so
0: actually um... (laughs) i don't understand why people uh don't pay more attention to the history of the crash retrievals i keep saying it to people but they're not looking the moon dust program which was basically a code word for pay attention this is about ufo crash retrieval was in the DIA FOIAs. It was noted there because Clifford Stone, Sergeant Clifford Stone, brought the information out to the public. Granted, a lot of people take what he says and back off because he's talking about extraterrestrials. Um, But he brought out documents and then the DIA put those same documents out themselves which means they already knew that it was in the public, so there was no reason to keep them. Um, So moon dust is out there. Granted, they were picking up all space debris, but a big th- thing that they were doing was picking up UFOs, like the anything that they didn't know what it was. They went to go find out what it was. It's not hard to find out who it was. the The group, and it was from the U.S. Air Force. It's not hard mm-hmm. to figure out. It's in the FOIAs where they took that material, U.S. Air Force bases, okay? Um, so I it, it makes me crazy. Like, actually, Leslie Keane sued NASA trying to get moon dust files. But you know what happened? She didn't right. sue the U.S. Air Force for those files. And they're the ones that did it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, yep, like, it's... she sued NASA. NASA didn't take those things. The U.S. Air Force. And Rick Doty was on calling all beings, saying that when he was working with Hal Putoff for Earth Tech, they found an object. And he asked what to do about it. He called Hal and said, what do I do with this object that we found? And he said, call the U.S. Air Force.
1: It was Holloman Air Force Base, actually. Uh, it Project Moondust existed at the Air Force Missile, Deve- M- Missile Development Center at mm-hmm. uh, Holloman Air Force Base. And there's right. an interesting history behind Holloman in itself.
0: <laughs> well, yes, yeah, so if you look, and we, uh, Sean has done a lot of work on this, too. Sean found some local Moondust files there. We, we have them um, out there. He's got them on his site. I have them on the UFO connector if anyone wants to look like that was the name of the program and then they changed it later but that's what was going on they were finding objects that fell from space or Mm -hmm. and then they also had project blue fly which by the way impossible to find FOIAs for I have never seen a blue fly FOIA I know where they are they're in Canada but I have never laid eyes on one
3: interesting yeah well, Grant, I I kind of want to flip the script a little bit, if I can, for a second, man, and just ask more of a personal question for you and take it back yeah. a little bit. You mentioned uh, a phrase a little while ago, paradigm shifts. And that's something that resonates, I think, with anybody that looks into this topic. And uh, I just wanted to ask you, man, McMinnville Photo, take me, take me back real <sighs> that, quick. That. What, what's going through your mind when you see that thing as a kid just curious
1: so i was i was probably it would have been about 19 when was it 1987 i was probably about eight or nine maybe not even 10 years old uh and my dad took me to uh it was a it was a ufo photo exhibition so they had in um in sydney where i'm uh where i was raised our tallest building in sydney is called the it was called back then the um, Center Point Tower or Sydney Tower. It's kind of like the equivalent of what is um, in Seattle, you know, the big S- Seattle um, Tower. It's, but yeah, it's, it's com- comparable with that. And they had a, a photo exhibition in uh, Sydney Tower and they had all of these um, you know, blown-up photos framed on walls and some of them on, on canvas, I believe, of just photos taken o- over the years, most of them in black and white, um, obviously some of them now revealed as hoaxes over time, but there was a black and white big blown-up photo of the McMinnville UFO. And I remember I just stared at that photo for what could have easily been 10, 15 minutes, just imagining, trying to put myself at that owner's farm and just looking at what, how, how amazing, how terrifying, but also how fascinating it would have been looking up at, at that object. Uh, in 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 real life and and seeing that for the very first time because that appears to be a very nuts and bolts craft and and one thing that I have found fascinating uh, not so much over the years but recently is that if you look at all of the black and white photos from the 50s and 60s of UFOs they do look very different to what you see. Uh, and what's taken with smartphones in this day and age. So I'm curious as to whether there is something about the technology that we're using to capture this this visual information, whether it is we're now in the digital age where everything is electronic, but back then it was all film. It was all, there was no uh, really any electronic, um, you know, uh, components to a, a a camera that was very much film based so that's i find that intriguing that the, the that what's been captured on film these days appears to be not completely different but there seems to be a difference with what has been captured in the past whether right. that's uh, attributed to a lot of lot more hoaxes back then uh or the fact that uh know just right place, right time back then. But that's just a side comment. But the McMinnville photo was was really what um sparked my imagination on this topic and and was the first real intriguing UFO photo that I ever saw that uh completely made me fall in love with this this whole topic.
3: That's awesome. Well take that then and so okay so fast forward then to 2017. You Mm -hmm. see the Washington Post and the New York Times stuff. Was that vindication at all for you, or was it just kind of like, yeah, we'll see what happens? Like, What was the general thoughts?
1: That was a holy shit moment for me (laughs) Uh, because, uh, you know, up until that point, there was never – I mean, I didn't live in the era of Project Blue Book, um, so I wasn't ever exposed to, you know, the things that happened in our parents' generation or my parents' generation regarding public hearings back in, I think, 68 was the last one. So I've just witnessed my first public hearing in my lifetime, which is something that I'm incredibly excited about. And then, you know, growing up as a, as a teenager, I, w- I would only uh, get to kind of um, live my fascination for this topic by watching The X-Files once a week, Wednesday, 9 p.m., uh, and then, you know, jumping on very early versions of Wikipedia to, uh, you know, to, to search for, you know, Bob Lazar's revelations in no, 1989, when he came out under the cover of darkness, under the alias of Dennis, and revealed what he knew to George Knapp then, and then obviously you had coast to coast radio AM back in the day. So then, fast forward to 2017, and you have one of the world's most reputable newspapers coming out and saying that. The U.S. government had a secret UFO program to investigate the phenomenon. Yeah, holy shit, that's that's huge. And and look what's happened in the five years since the Leslie Kane and Blumenthal articles came out. Kudos to them for uh, you know working as hard as and diligently as they did to get that information out. Because if it wasn't for that article, and it wasn't for I guess. Uh, you know the the information that Lou Elizondo disseminated to them, we probably wouldn't be where we are uh, today. And and just look at what has happened in that short period of five years. How much more we know today than we did in 2017. I would say this, the, and to to Lou Elizondo's point, where he always refers to the analogy where our goal is to get into sixth gear, and we're currently sitting at you know third, fourth, fifth gear. The the, the we, we're shifting gears. Uh, you know, significantly in a short period of time on this topic. I mean, everything that's taken place in the last five years, if you compare that to the five years previous, what happened from 2012 to, to, to 2017? I don't remember anything significantly happening on this topic um, in that period.
0: I just have to comment that I feel like if we take a look, people were trying people were really trying and I don't know what it was that broke it and made it happen and made the made the switch go on or whatever but if you look not only did we have like I said people working on this for decades some of them very publicly doing academic papers with SSE we had NIDS we had FUFOR we had um conferences I have a book here from a conference no one knows about that happened that was rockefeller funded we had other senators senator Pell. you know it's this is this is not the first stage of this major effort but the difference is not even within the last five years but within the last year we have hmm. had a report a law we had nasa and presidents speaking nasa starting a study and a hearing and that's in Galileo one project. year project
1: Yep. Yep. It's, it's incredible. And, and I think, I mean, why do you think Deb, that there wasn't all of that information and, and hard work and due diligence that was being done back then? Why, what would you say is the reason why that didn't come to the forefront back then? Why, what's been the, the, the primary catalyst that you see is why all of this is happening now?
0: I think that just at this point, there's just been so many people who have had experiences that are getting involved at this point. It's, it's ridiculous and they're really pushing it. So people are not sitting on their laurels anymore. They're not willing to accept that they just need to be quiet. They need to be ordered to be quiet. And some people are concerned about their safety. We know that there's an excessive amount of these objects hanging around our battle groups, right? even if they're in practice it doesn't matter they're hanging around our battle groups and there's safety concerns because it's excessive right now and frankly in the world where there are legitimate concerns regarding drone technology also we should have been reporting yeah why we weren't reporting is crazy to me why were they stopping like they need to know exactly what is going on everyone needs to know exactly what is going on but the excessive amount of data, I think, is the, the was the pushing. Like, it's just we have better sensors now. They, we have all the technology. We have all these groups. We have people. Apparently, I, I just heard Science Bob talking about on Space Out Radio that even the NGO has a UAP office that hasn't been public yet. Um, National Geographic, whatever. I don't know what they're called. But anyhow, so yeah, there's just so much data for coming from so many places and the CIA has been working on it all along. Mm. Right. It's been excessive and, and things that were just kind of lost, you know, when we had paper newspapers, like the Washington post reported that the CIA provided 500 documents about UFOs decades ago and no one paid attention. They just threw out their newspaper and moved on, but now everything is digital and now everyone can see it immediately and no one forgets. And it's forefront of everyone's mind. Hey, that newspaper says the CIA has 500 UFO documents. It's not just in the trash can. Everyone sees it. So it's a different world. That's I the agree. And, and I
1: think you, you nailed it on the head there. I think that's what's really helped shift the paradigm is that immediate access now to information, the fact that more people – can openly talk about it with it without fear of reprisals. The the stigma is now kind of crumbling around this topic. And I only think it's a matter of time
0: mm-hmm.
1: before I think experiences are next. I think that you're going to see a paradigm shift on mm-hmm. that topic as well. The same way that the nuts and bolts aspect of this phenomenon is now kind of taking the forefront. Mm-hmm. I, I only think that's the one thing that was so disappointing. Um, with the New York times that they didn't run Ralph Blumenthal's article on experiences and it had to go through the debrief. Um, but I think, again, it's only a question of time before experiences will finally get their, uh, their voices heard. And this topic to be, to take it, be taken mainstream for them.
0: And, And that's what all of that work was about. And maybe that's part of the problem. People didn't want to hear that part because, um, I'll show you. Uh, I keep this right here this was a pamphlet I talk about this all the time it was made in the 90s it was uh, about experiencers it was John Mack Bud Bud Hopkins Mm -hmm. and Bigelow were a part of this and it was supposed to be for the American Psychiatric Association and it got ignored and I assure you when I went and got my degree in psychology I never heard about this They didn't want to talk about it. In fact, hold on. Let me see if I can find the conference thing I was talking about. Oh, it's up here. This was the conference for the Human Potential Foundation. Do you see how big this is? Wow, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rockefeller funded this, but it's called When Cosmic Cultures Meet 1995. No one wanted to hear it. 90s 90s no Mm. one wanted to hear it they did not want to hear about the experiencers but now we have people who people are respecting coming out we had john ramirez even lou has said he has seen something we had um jim Semivan. you know people are coming out and they're talking about it and i and the people who study this get there they go from just the nuts and bolts and whatever they go through the consciousness path And then they start Mm -hmm. talking to experiencers the guy who um wrote um ufos and nukes robert hastings yeah came out as an experiencer um diana pasolka her next book is about experiencers everyone gets there so they will Mm. they'll get there and they're talking about medical issues
1: absolutely and they're all they're they're all from different walks of life as well i mean to add to that list you have gary nolan himself uh, yes. The wonderful work that yeah. he's doing on the science side of things, but he's an experiencer himself. So I think you're you're now getting such a such a greater um, spectrum and, and cross section of folks from all different life walks of life that are coming uh, to that aspect of the conversation with not only their own unique perspectives, but their own unique set of skill sets and expertise to add to the conversation as well. I
0: was looking, and, for- that's,
1: and that's encouraging.
0: Yeah.
3: And if I can add to that too, I'd, to answer your question, Grant, I, I think it's I think it's it's awful timely considering how much push we're getting from inside official sources. But then also, if you look at the experiencer side, how many people are seemingly like coming online to all of this with their own experiences? People are having more sightings now. Tons of people came. I mean, look at the YouTube community now. How many people started channels because they actually saw something in the last few years? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting on how, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the veil seems to be thinning between science, technology, religion, and all these different belief systems. It's very interesting to me.
1: And and safety numbers as well. I mean, uh, y- y- like you, Deb and and DJ for calling on me calling all beings. You guys just provide. Such a safe, safe space and welcoming environment for people to actually have these conversations. When I saw Max McCabe come come forward and share his story for the first time, I have no doubt that would have been a very, you know, uh, difficult conversation and, and revelation for him to make. But look at the support that he has received since he told his story. He's now in a position where he can support others that are apprehensive about this sharing their story and and come on a platform like. You know, Deb's Data Dojo, or Calling All Beans, or other other podcasts, where they can actively talk about the conversation and not have that fear of ridicule or or jokes being made behind their back. So credit to the work that you do to actually inspire and encourage people to come forward and share their stories. You
0: know, yeah, and I'm I'm think that is one of the things that kind of fires me up because when I talk to people, I hear about the things that happened to them because they had a story, and I Mm -hmm. get upset. And I'm like, I don't think anyone should be treated the way some of these people have. I've had Robert Salas tell me if he was ordered to not talk about it. I had Dr. Wilbur Allen tell me he was put in a special ed class because he said he saw entities, Mm. you know. And actually, today, I heard Terry Lovelace say that he was forced to do um, a hypnotherapy session. Forced. Like they told him he'd be court-martialed. That is not mm. how we should be treating people. So I get fired up. And I think that we need to have a place where people feel comfortable and publicly so that other people go, oh, okay, maybe it's not just me. You know, yeah. so I, I get fired up about that.
1: Well, and- you know, kudos to you for asking Uh asking people that have had experiences to come on your show and share them because i think you certainly provide a a, a welcoming and safe space for them to do that so thank you keep keep doing that
0: i will say yeah. that uh, i pushed back on one guest because we were talking about Christian UFOs, and he said something that got me upset, but I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but I so look. Very- I mean, I, I, I've never had an experience myself.
1: It's certainly on my bucket list. I would love to have my very own sighting. Uh, and you know, I I think for anyone that has that has holds a healthy degree of skepticism, like myself, and I think we all should. Um, you you just have to have an open mind and. You know, I don't. When I hear someone share their experience and what they encountered, I, I don't make any judgments. Who am I to mm-hmm. judge what their experience was and what they uh, what they went through? Like that, when when Anjali came on, uh, Deb started dojo, your show. Um, you know, I had some questions uh, that filled my skeptical mind that I generally wanted to throw Anjali's way, but I remained uh, open to the possibility that, hey, it's, this is what she experienced and what she claimed she went through. So I'm interested to further understand that by asking questions that uh, you know, will um, satisfy my skeptical curiosity.
0: You were the one that had the really long question. I remember I that. Did.
1: Yeah, and I did. Right. That's
0: It was. Dang it! it was a Grant. Bit, this is so long. No, I but it was it, okay. In, it's okay. In, in
1: retrospect, I thought mm, maybe I should have probably, uh, you know, uh, gone a little bit more brief with that question. But no, it was. Um, uh, yeah, I appreciated you asking the question because yeah. uh, I think, and I think those questions can be asked, but as long as they're asked in a respectful way, then that's uh, you know that, that's how you can help further the conversation and right. and get people to still talk about it but not f- be fearful of mm-hmm. you know being um shut down or ostracized or made fun of so
0: and if if you listen to what she talks about she's describing um with her meditations the same thing that you hear about if you listen to the monroe institute cds of their meditations because i have that cd in my car i bought one to see what it was like and i'm like that's exactly what she's talking about the monroe Mm -hmm. institute meditation is the same thing and i she hasn't responded to my dm about that um furthermore if you listen to grant cameron he's talking about it's all consciousness and all the experiences that we have when we meditate are the same as our physical experiences which i think is going a little too far but you know there's there's a lot of things that we have to consider and i will say i gave her some feedback and i noticed that she has changed um her style on her youtube since that interview yeah right
3: I I appreciated her answers to my question during that too. You know, I Mm -hmm. think I think that we all are capable of making mistakes, and I don't think it's I don't think it's something that we should be ashamed of necessarily. Um, So I appreciated how she responded to if she could have gone back and done anything differently, how she would have handled Mm it. I like the what she had to say about it for sure.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that uh, we also have to remember at the end of the day, we're all people we all have other things going on outside of what people hear and see when we're doing this work, right? We we are, are dedicated on, on this, all, and we're all connected on the soul issue, but we still have yeah. other things that we have to worry about. Like, it looks like Grant has something else to worry about right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My wife just passed me a, a note there, but no, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I have so much uh, respect for know, the, yeah, the work that you do, Deb, that mm-hmm. DJ, Nate, anyone that's a content creator and is is uh, researching or preparing and disseminating content on this topic, um, I have just so much respect for you because I know for myself having a full time job, being blessed to have a full time job uh, when a lot of people don't in these challenging times, have you know a, a family, a young child, trying to be a, a big kid around her and have fun and and juggling all of those commitments with having a, a passion and desire to learn more about this topic. Uh, it's really, I, I really respect the amount of time, energy and effort that you commit to doing what you do, because I only now can appreciate how hard it is to make the time to research, uh, you know, uh, the, the topic and 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 what you're the subjects that you're going to be interviewing, and then to put it out in a way that is easy for folks to digest, understand, and still be um, e- engaging and entertaining and educational at the same time. So that's one of the challenges that I've found in doing my own uh, you know, live stream or podcast with uh, the Unexplained Rundown is rundown is is getting content out on a on a regular basis. Uh, and that's why I'm, I'm excited that I'm going to be getting more content out soon, but, uh, I know that it's, it's, it's a big endeavor and effort to, to do what you do. So, so thank thank you. you. I appreciate uh, the time and effort you put into it.
0: I would really, really (laughs) like, I wish I had two of me because I have like 30 pages of links to add to the ufo connector it is like every day i find more because i'm looking at twitter and someone says something i'm like oh that's a good link and then i'm like it leads me down to 10 more links you know so and then and then when i go i'm like okay i'm just gonna add these links i'm not gonna get sidetracked i always get sidetracked you know, so, Which I'll,
1: I'll I'll give I'll be happy to give it a plug to and, and let you know that I've uh, I've leveraged your resource a number of times. Yeah, UFO thanks. Connector is a great place for folks that if you just want if you're new to the topic or you're a seasoned enthusiast and you want to find some great information, uh, check it out because yeah. I know I've jumped on there a number of times and pulled up yeah. some information I want to, wasn't aware of before. <laughs>
0: I use it too. I go back too. Like I'll I'll be like oh I want to find that document you know or something like that. So I I love that I have that in all in one place for me to do that right but we could always add more stuff about australia because there's uh, well, not that much in there
1: <laughs> i'll i'll keep you posted with now you've given me some topics to explore so i can come back to you with some good resources
0: <laughs> okay benji did you freeze for a second or are you good okay nope, you're good i'm
3: good i uh actually i have one one last question for you grant okay. i think it's my last one for you how does one obtain a degree in fakeology,
1: just curious <laughs> oh man well uh i think we could probably do a whole show on on the deep <laughs> the fake world but uh originally when when i um came back to you know wanting to uh throw myself into this topic uh and become a big sponge again which i still consider myself a, a, as a just a big sponge learning just so much as much as i can I originally was, uh, you know, throwing myself into a lot of uh, Jimmy Church, and and I think John Greenwald was on uh, Jimmy Church, and that's how I ended up on coming across UCR and and following the work of Luis Jimenez and Rather Be Squidding, and then Michael Madaloni, and now UFO Jane Kyle. Uh, but as a as a way of promoting their show, because I was really enjoying a lot of their content, uh, I had joined Twitter a couple months before I found UCR, and I followed. Uh, this guy, his name was Chris Yume. And he does, I don't know if you've seen them, but he does these wonderful deep fakes of Tom Cruise and the actor that they use for, uh, or the, the guy that uh, uh, is, the, is the actor, he he has uh, he can do a spitting Tom Cruise impersonation, just his voice alone. And so then once they then use the AI and have, Tom Cruise's face superimposed over this actor. I, I I couldn't tell the difference. And I think there have been a number of folks that have been completely thrown off thinking that why is Tom Cruise doing this random, you know, like he Dave a Matthews backflip? song. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and they're just that good. And, and it was um, the guy, uh, Chris Yume, who is part of now a team called Metaphysic AI. They they have created a business uh, around doing, you um, Entertaining work through deepfake technology and AI. They were very recently on—is um, oh, it uh, UK's Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent—and they had um, a singer come out on stage. And uh, real time, they 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 filmed him, and in real time, the the guys behind the scenes uh, deepfaked um, uh, Simon Cow's face over this this guy that was singing on stage. So. Uh, you know, they were able to do that in real time, and it's just—it oh, it was mind-boggling on what, um, on on how good they could get the uh, the deepfake. So, I kind of just took to it as a as a more of a hobby or a way of just kind of uh, engage folks uh, on the topic and and get them excited and interested about the content, the same way that I was excited and interested at, about it. So, uh, it's a self-professed, um, you know. Um, uh, master of deep fakeology or, or a bachelor's degree in deep deepfakeology uh, or PhD, I should say. So uh, it's very Dr. much uh, self, self-professed. self Yeah. But mm-hmm. there, there is a lot of people out there that are certainly doing some, um, some really cool stuff on, on that, um, uh, that subject and, and metaphysic AI, Chris, you Ume- may, Chris, you Ume- may certainly, certainly mm-hmm. are some, some of them.
0: So some people actually got hired because of their work on the internet and people noticing it that's how you know luke got done in the second uh season of the mandalorian i believe it was the second maybe the third because someone got hired because he did a better job than the people who did it in the first season (laughs) but i just want to say if you ever have to deep fake me since my face is not (laughs) on the internet you can use nicole kidman's face or angelina jolie i'll be totally cool (laughs)
1: <laughs> I keep that in mind. I, I, I know I've um I've deepfaked DJ and 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 Nathan and oh man, so many times that I'm sure they uh they probably got a bit sick of it at some point. But uh it was all in a in um in in the the pursuit of um having a laugh and and having other folks that are interested in following uh, the work that they do have a laugh as well. Right. So I think it's uh, think well appreciated. Yeah, I yeah,
0: think. I,
1: I always had to uh, remind myself, though, to um, uh, was it uh, you know, beg for forgiveness uh, first rather than uh, asking for permission. So, <laughs> You know, I've right. sometimes, uh, you know, put some deep fakes up that were probably a little bit in poor taste, but I think overall they've been received pretty well.
0: Yeah. Well, we appreciate everything that you're doing. Um- oh, thank you and we really appreciate that you're educating us also about australia i think that all three of us should at ross colthart tomorrow once what this goes out on the web so he can learn a little bit about australia too i'm sure he knows some things but whatever i think it'd be great if he could um uh come and talk with you i think you both um have a perspective that this country would really appreciate hearing more about I think I haven't even gotten to go through the Australian files I thought we would have time to talk about it um, today talk about some of the interesting cases of course we'll have to do that another time you'll just have to come back and educate us more about what's going on there
1: and the really good thing is that a lot of the uh, historical documentation is publicly available through the National Archives of Australia, so yeah. you can uh, you can find a lot of good great stuff.
0: Right, and Australia, I believe, is um, the place where there is. There's a website, I believe it's um, Sunrise, off the top of my head. I have it on the UFO Connector, where you can find some FOIAs that I couldn't find in America that are American FOIAs. Oh, interesting. And they have. Okay. Yeah, they actually have something interesting about the moon on there. It's a science related paper. It's like SSE in Australia.
1: Oh, okay. Ooh, I'll <laughs> have to um get you to share the link with me on that one.
0: Yeah, it's I it's probably under my archive section. It's really okay, incredible. I'll it out. Oh, when when I, very cool. Yeah, when I found it, I was like, Oh, it's the Invisible College. <laughs> <laughs> it's the australian version of the invisible college
1: <laughs> i will definitely check that out now archive section of you if i can all right, right. very cool
0: i think yeah i think it. Called, i think it's called sunrise but if you sunrise. find sun something it's probably okay. it so <laughs> probably, okay just just go search sun <laughs> <Will do. laughs> well thank you so much for coming um i'm gonna let benji say where we can find him um on his way out and then i'm gonna ask you the same question benji where can we find you
3: oh you know i'm around uh i'm on twitter at benja might be and then uh instagram is i believe it's mercedes with two underscores benj it's mercedes benj but uh anybody who wants to message me i'm always down to chat with anybody so just hit me
1: up i'll be here grant where can we find you
0: Uh
1: uh, and if, you, if you're if you on Twitter, you can find me at the handle of just at Grant uh, My YouTube channel is the same. Just search for Grant Lavac on YouTube. Uh, my show's called The the Unexplained Rundown. Uh, I'm actually putting out a brand new episode in the coming weeks that is a bit of a deep dive and exploration of uh, Kurt Russell's encounter during the Phoenix Lights. And I've had some, um, some interesting new information come to light only recently. Um, nothing that's uh, Earth-changing, but certainly something I found fascinating. So feel free to uh, to to head on over to uh, the Unexplained Rundown on my YouTube channel if you want to learn more.
0: I will be, and I'll also be looking to see if you start doing any more stuff on the Indigenous Australian stuff. I'm going to look for it because there's some great things oh, yeah. out there. Okay, so... there
1: are. Well, like I said, you've inspired me with a couple ideas today. So right, I, I bet I, you're going to you come up. That. Yeah, I, I,
0: <laughs> there's so much there. There's so much. Um, so thank you again for coming, both of you. Um, uh, belated, thank you also to DJ who, of course, had to leave. Um, but I wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, take care. Have a wonderful day, be it today or in the future today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm still here. so I know, the know, future the, uh... today. It's very confusing, but <laughs> the future today. Um, oh, you know what, though? that reminds me of something this will tie it together it's the every win that's what the dream time stories are it's every win every win yeah i like it yeah Yeah. every win it's not in the future or the past or the present it's every win
1: every win nice i like it
0: yeah if you guys want to find me i'm at study of uaps on twitter and linkedin i wouldn't try messaging me on uh instagram though because i don't uh look at that too much but i'm there and then um i'm on youtube with calling all beings and of course um i'm at the take care everybody thank you for bye, listening. everyone bye bye for now